And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, Din and Grogu journey to a world... I can't talk, it's fine. In this episode, Din and Grogu journeys to a world ruled by a cruel magistrate who has made a powerful enemy, Ahsoka fucking Tano. There will be Din finding not a... Tin finding a not Jedi because Ahsoka Tano is back and she's not a Jedi. <laughs> We're talking about the Mandalorian episode, The Jedi, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. She never denies being it. She gets called Jedi a lot in it and just goes along with it. So, you know, I I almost noted that because I have a lot of thoughts about that because in in a lot of my thoughts are around. I mean, it's so much more threatening in this situation for her to go like, oh, I'm not a Jedi. <laughs> you know, that would, like, yeah. totally take away their, their, like, trying to play with their code of honor or whatever. But I have two thoughts about that. One is that she... I, my brain just went blank. Shit. Oh, she just... might... No, no, okay, sorry, sorry, I remember it. The first one thought I have about it is maybe she is a representation of what a Jedi is now um, because the Jedi Order is gone. So people like Luke and Kanan and Ezra and and, right. um, and Ahsoka are kind of remaking what it means to be a Jedi. Um, the other thought I have about this is, is this is a very casual audience. This is the general audience show. Yeah. And for them to be get into like Den, like if a Den was like if she was like I'm not a Jedi and Den would be like what and she was like well there'd be the, there was this thing called the Clone Wars and my master's Anakin Skywalker and I walked away from the Order blah 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 like they would have to actually explain it in show. And what about the title of the show? Yeah, and so at the end of the day, and this was one of my notes, I kind of like this is Filoni's character. He wrote it. He directed it. So I kind of. Out of anybody who did this, he's the person who knows Ahsoka best. So there is a reason that she doesn't deny being a Jedi in this timeline. We are not privy to that at this moment. Well, judging by Book of Boba Fett, and I was thinking about this last night, judging by Bo- Book of Boba Fett, this story will probably take place somewhere in the middle of Ahsoka Tano, you know, the Ahsoka um, Show, series. Yeah. And, and they'll have like... They'll probably have stuff leading up to this and, you know, recontextualizing it or pu- putting more shading onto it. But it'll probably be a lot like Boba Fett where, like, at some point you go like, oh, okay, now I know exactly where this is happening in the Mandalorian timeline, you know. I, I actually have kind of note about that because I was like, I wonder if this is pre-Ahsoka the White because in the Rebels finale... Um, this is actually one of my Act 3 notes. In the Rebels finale, 
Um, all we know is that the epilogue takes place after the Battle of Endor. We have no idea when, after the Battle of Endor, the Rebels finale takes place. Um, and Ahsoka is Ahsoka the White in that. And so I almost wonder if she's not there yet at this time. And if the Ahsoka series will lead her to becoming Ahsoka the White. Um, so yeah, like not knowing where the Rebels epilogue is in the timeline and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm wrong, and I can hear Charles in the background to speak like, well, actually, the Ahsoka, blah, 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 blah. But I hear you, Charles, if you are. Um, but we don't know that information yet. And I think that would be a very interesting plot line for the Ahsoka show, which I kind of want because I am not excited for the Ahsoka show. And I hate to say that because Ahsoka is oh. my favorite character. <laughs> I'm hey. I'm I'm I I'm actually more excited for the Ahsoka show after this episode. I I feel better about this, and I'll talk about it too because I, I mentioned this last week. Um, I have struggled with this episode in the past. The first time I watched it, I hated this episode. I had a very negative, visceral response to it. I watched it again the next day. And I got to be very meh on it. And I watched it a third time a little a few weeks later. And I was still very meh on it. I watched it this time. And I actually really liked it. But I noticed something in this episode that really changed my perspective. Now, we'll talk about Rosario in a minute. Because I do want to talk about Rosario first. But when talking about the character of Ahsoka... Um, the handling of the character, this was the first time watching this show. I actually really enjoyed live-action Ahsoka. She's still not my favorite, and I still don't think she is quite there, and she's perfect, and she's still missing that little oomph that makes her Ahsoka Tano. But this fourth viewing for me was the first time I was like, yeah, I'm kind of digging it. Hi, Sheldon. Hi, sorry, I have a cat. I'm still cat sitting, and I wish to update that the shrimp are still alive. That's what I was just going to ask. <laughs> I have yet to lose a shrimp. Knock on wood. And they come back. Let's see, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So they come back in four days. So I have four days to keep You're shrimp alive. You're in the alive. home stretch, yeah. I am. I am almost out of birds. I am out of bird seed, though. So the birds outside are just going to have to deal being out of bird seed. Because <laughs> I am not buying any. But um, I do have some news. Some news. First is bad news, and then there's good news. The bad news is some rumors have gone around today, and they released the official September streaming for September, and it looks like Bad Batch has been pushed back from September, which I'm not surprised by because Andor got pushed back. Well, yeah, so, so much for the like, what was it going to be four weeks without star without, a, you know, without a Star Wars show being on the air so much for that, I guess. Yeah, but I totally understand because um, Andor, well, we're supposed to be in Andor like right now, um, but they pushed it back to September, which I totally get because they didn't want it competing prob probably with She-Hulk because She-Hulk just started. Um, so it got pushed back. So I'm actually not surprised that Bad Batch got pushed back. I'm just more bummed because Bad Batch and Andor are like the two shows I want and they got both got pushed back and I'm like, but I want them. I want them so bad. But, um, it makes me wonder if Tales of the Jedi is going to get delayed as well because that's supposed to be a fall show. And yeah, so that's the bad news. The good news is I bought right here. Can you, can you hear it? Uh-huh. 
Um, I bought the Star Wars Rebels comic anthology and read it. It's 500 pages of Star of Rebels comics. Aye, aye, aye. Listeners, because it's 39 issues. Um, it ran for like, I think like two years and it was like 39 issues. It is so fucking good. It. Uh, how, how much does it cost? It's 30 bucks. Really? That's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it's a right? bargain. Right? For 500 page trades. And this is the first time it's been in America in a publication like this. All the trades came out in other countries. Um, and it's so good. Because it's all in between stories, it's all canon, and it just feels like Rebels. It has the heart of the show. One of my favorite things about it is it really features a lot of the side characters. So, like Ketsu, a character that you and I both had problems with, got a few stories and it really fleshed her out. Um, Aresco and Grint, the two lackeys from season one, have a bloodthirsty story. Like, they are cutthroat they are not lackeys they are taking names in that series um rex has a story saw guerrera has a story um finn rao commander sato has multiple stories uh and it really gives him like a really like interesting side that i wasn't expecting from him um i and of course all the main characters are great i think like if i like like for example like zeb like everyone knows zeb's my favorite character his internal dialogue is so beautiful he is so 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 elegant and like his internal thoughts really flesh out a lot of the trauma he's still dealing with it's fantastic um if i had any gripes kanan just kind of falls off at the end like he's not in the last 150 pages and at no point do we ever see his season three design um they only have him up through the season two stories and it does cover all four seasons of rebels he's just not in any of the season three season four stories at all um so there's some new characters in it that are really great and one of the new characters actually like broke my heart because she joined them and decided to leave because she was like i can't fight in a war this is not who i am and she was like i'm gonna go carve out a life for myself on Alderaan. And I'm like, child, no. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, I like I was crushed by that panel. I was like, no, I like you. Don't live on Alderaan. No. <laughs> um, so I cannot recommend enough the Star Wars Rebels comic anthology that just came out. Um, it is fantastic. If you love Rebels and you want more content, it is so goddamn good <laughs> it feels like the show it has the stakes of the show um lando gets multiple comics which seeing lando in that era is good yeah so no, he was fun. great in rebels yeah that was like i'm still waiting for the lando show oh god me too man donald glover please stop being busy we love even you. if it's just a talk show called the lando show yeah but, like, there's... God, Lando is really good in this comic series. Like, Bizago gets an, a comic issue. Like, oh, And it's... Mwah. I cannot recommend the Rebels Anthology comic enough. Please go get it. It's so good. <laughs> um, <sighs> I want to get the, the rough stuff out of the way first. Before right. we get into the episode. So I told you guys I would talk about this when we got to this episode because we addressed Gina Carano 
and all of her bullshit. And let's talk about Rosaria Dotson for a second, who plays Ahsoka. So part of the reason I've, I've been so mixed about this episode for so long, and I'm so mixed about the Ahsoka show, is because of the actress playing Ahsoka Tano. So in 2019, it came out that Rosario Dawson and her family had a transgender man by the name of Dedrick Finley who worked for them for years. And they had allegations that the families had misgendered them, mis- uh, deadnamed him, verbally abused, and physically assaulted him. Um, and this news came out, and I remember I was one of the many fans who were crushed <laughs> to hear this because Rosario had been rumored for so long to play Ahsoka. And then shortly afterwards, it was announced. And I also want to note that the official Star Wars accounts have been pretty quiet about this entire ordeal. And so so time passed, and because these are horrible allegations, and Finley voluntarily dropped most of the allegation, but except for two of them. I think it was something like 18 allegations, and he dropped most of them except for two. But the court threw out the last two allegations, freeing up Rosario from all this mess. However, it was reported by Variety that Finley didn't want those last two to be thrown out. In fact, he intends to file an appeal. As part of his statement, he said that he did not participate in the court-ordered independent medical examination because he had been diagnosed with COVID-19 at the time, and at the time that it was supposed to be performed. And he wrote, I requested this to be rescheduled um, while maintaining that the court chose not to reschedule. I wanted desperately to get in front of a jury, present my case, and let the people decide. I believe when everything comes out, and it always does, I will be vindicated and we will know the truth. I am willing to answer any question from anyone. I have nothing to hide. And that's where we are at the moment. So Rosario Dawson has these horrible allegations against her. Most of the charges were let go, except for these two. And Finley still wants his day in court. And that's where we are. Well, like, I I totally, I just knew that she'd had something, you know, that was involved in some sort of scandal that involved some, uh, I thought she'd like, 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 um, what's her name? Gita Carano had like said something or, you know, said something, you know, dumb or ignorant or, you know, but like, I, I did not know that it was this, but seeing this, it's pretty hard for me to make any kind of like judgment on it because it's like the, it's in the, he said, she said stage. Now it's sort of been through court but it's sort of still going through court i can see like why disney wouldn't say anything probably until they saw how it came out in court and then when it came if it came out in court like this the probably why they you know would be like well everyone just doesn't say anything anyway you know since you know it's it's probably to their advantage not to not to bring it up especially since it's not you know she wasn't found guilty or whatever i don't know like and 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 it's sort of spread out amongst her family so i don't know if like which part of it that what 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 thing that rosario dawson did or if she was in, involved in all of it and you know i don't know and, and you know i don't know the 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 person I, I don't know any of the people involved personally so i don't know like who's more trustworthy 
or or whatever you know and it sounds like they have a long-term relationship so like it you know it totally it it it, it i can't say that what any anybody in it would say would be like you know would be right or wrong at this point so it's like hard to like i i just can't make a, a judgment on on my, this you know what feelings, i mean yeah my, my feelings on this was this came out before rosario was casted and i would have liked if disney was just like all right this is going on so let's just choose someone else instead of going forward with the rosario until this is settled because yeah. they had every opportunity to cast somebody else while this all was going on and they didn't i'm more upset about that um but the whole situation is very messy because rosario is a queer woman as well so to hear that a queer woman was involved in possibly a allegedly yeah allegedly a part of a transphobic attack is very messy and hurtful and it sucks um i i want uh finley to get his day in court because I do think that it's needed. I can understand. And, and what sucks about this is it was a physical attack. By this time, he's probably healed. So it'd be going off of pretty much like hospital records and stuff like that. Or any if he happened to take any photos or anything. But the fact that um, I, I, you know, once he has his appeal, um, that's when I, it gets really interesting. But it just there's, really there's, there's so many like things going on that like your person like personal bias like t like uh say like okay the the part where it's um with the covid-19 and the the court chose not to reschedule that that's that's a loaded statement it could mean any it, it like if you were if you were like if you you know if if you were prone to believe one side you could be like Oh, you know, the court is being discriminatory against him, but maybe the judge was like, you know, this person's unstable and is taking up a lot of like time and money during COVID, you know, to to do this, you know, we're not going to reschedule for him. You yeah. know, there's there's a million different ways it could be read without uh, without like a lot more information, you know. And and the worst part is it's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Because exactly. if if Rosario and her family did do this, what they've been alleged to do, then you have this horrible person casted as Ahsoka Tano in a major series that's already been filmed. Like that sucks. But if it comes out that Finley was not truthful and has been lying, that sucks because then you have someone who's giving a bad name to victims and it's so like no and, matter and what bad happens name rosario darson and her family you know or like you know and could possibly like could have cost her you know i mean i think i think the reason she made it through you know she made it through and gita carano didn't make it through is you know i'm cynical is rosario dawson's a bigger actress you know she's just a big a bigger she's name also dating a senator uh, well, there, there, there could be that too, but uh, you know, it was, pro you know, I mean, uh, honestly, I think Disney makes all decisions based on what's going to make things turn out, what they think is going to make things turn out money best yeah. for their stockholders. And so, and Rosario Dawson's got you know a lot more heft, and it would be, and it would be like, 
you know the the more the bigger de- deal they made over this the 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 just the the more chance that nobody's going to win in in the whole thing so it just like yeah that's i mean yeah i mean the fact that i have it that i knew nothing about it s- speaks volumes about how little it got talked about and and like i just i it it sucks regardless um no matter what happens like i said it's always going to be a lose-lose situation um and i mean i I think this is a constant state of hollywood there's always actors and actresses just turding out you know and like i do want to mention um because neither of us are transgender um so just like last week the shows that uh we mentioned did address the rosario stuff too and they have members of the trans community talking about it and it's the katana cast mm-hmm. 15 minutes force friends rewatch Rue palps pod race and Pil- the pink milk round tables from 2020 um we all talked about that i shouldn't say we i'm not a we I'm, they all talked about that too um, so if you want to hear this take from people from the transgender community, please check out those shows because they have addressed it before. Um, but we're going to handle this the same way that we handle Gina Carano's character, which is we're going to not be talking about Rosario. We're going to be talking about the character of Ahsoka Tano and how she's presented. So I, but I do. Yes, highly... we'll be talking about Rosario's performance. Yes, um, but please check out those other shows if you want to hear it from the point of view of people who have more more stakes in the game, like people who are actually transgender, and this really does affect their daily lives. Uh, me and Chris are coming from a place of privilege on this one because we are not in the trans community, but regardless, the situation is messy. It's not over. Um, I'm sure that everybody wants it to be everyone being Disney wants to have it slipped on the bridge, but it's not. And I hope Finley gets his day in court to see what happens. Um, but regardless, like I was going to say, it's, it, it, it won't, it, it, it won't slip under the radar until the next two or three scandals happen. And yeah, <laughs> whenever but, they, whenever that is in the next few minutes. But honestly, this is a big reason why I'm not ex- like I have several reasons I'm not excited for the Ahsoka Tano show, but this is a big one. Like I'm and pe- I'm- and, and the thing is, people will tell you, you know, you got to divorce yourself. From, and 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 to some extent, I'm a follower of divorce the artist from the art, but art being subjective and something that you watch or you know you consume in in not in a vacuum sometimes it's impossible not to like have your perception of the art you know tainted by something that the artist has done or someone involved with it we have a big thing and that's jk rowling for me yeah we have a big thing in rochester now where there's these really they're really awesome sculptures outside the art, art museum they're these big stone sculptures of these rot they're very they're very like appealing to children type statues but the the guy who made them like as one of his art pieces tortured a dog to death for an art piece so like holy shit our city's been in a battle of mixed feelings on that ever since it happened you know yeah, so, I mean, but I, I mean, and and that, and and I, I, I gotta tell you, the the statues are impressive, but that taints it like a lot. <laughs> you I, know, when I, see I very it, much feel a, like 
I, I can separate art from artists until it starts affecting people in the real world. And to me, like things happening in the real world are far more important than a galaxy far, far away. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, it's and but it doesn't have to go that far. It doesn't have to go that far to take your I'm I'm just trying to tell people don't feel bad if, or don't feel like that like if you see something and it make you know and you feel that way because of something not directly involved in the like nuts and bolts making of this thing that somehow that you're biased or whatever everybody's biased everybody lives with has had their life which puts them in the bias so if if it happens, it happens. You know, it's it's not nice. It's not fun to have a piece of art ruined and, by the artist, but it's gonna happen. And you know, and there's it's, also it's, it's like all right. <laughs> you can enjoy a piece of media while still being critical of yeah. the things and, happening in the real world. Like I, as I was saying, for the first time, I actually kind of really liked this episode for the first time. I was gonna say, but I'm still this, very critical say, of everything happening around Rosario. Yeah, and I'll say by the same token. You know, if you like something and you know that the artist is just a piece of garbage, you can still you can still like it. You can still compartmentalize it to, you know, to, so you can, you know, and still because you're going to because you enjoy it. You know, <laughs> you don't you can't make yourself not enjoy it. You could be like, but out of principle, I don't enjoy this, but don't even bother. Don't even. Yeah. Like Bill Burr is another energy. example. Enjoy like it. Enjoy Bill it. Burr has some not great takes and some shitty stuff in the, in the, like the, that he said, Mayfield is still one, probably my favorite character of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Bill, Bill Burr reminds me of people I know in real life who like when you, when you're dealing with people who are like more like, you know, like in, I want to say in the real world, we're all in the real world, but like when you're at work, you know, the, the people at work that are not from a chosen group that you they're, they're from random walks, uh, all different walks of life. When you're dealing with people like that, you meet lots of Bill Burrs, people that you genuinely like. And then there's some part, some things they'll say, and you go like, oh, God, <laughs> but, you know. You know, it's almost like it's part of everything. Bill Burr always occupies that same place in my head. Like I used to listen to his podcast and sometimes I'd be like, I don't like that. But like other, uh, but I'm like, this guy's conscious of what he's, you know, of he's not just sort of stumbling through his stuff anyway. So I was just like, I like the guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, and I cannot like this, you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't wait to get to the Bill Burr episode. It's my favorite episode of the season, to be honest. I, uh, I, I, I'm saying so too, but we'll see. You know, I'll have to see when the season's over because watching them all again, it's kind of like, oh yeah, I'm, I'd forgotten a lot of stuff. So, and I've I, also had little feeling changes too. So, I have been. I was dreading getting to season two because my first viewing of season two of Mando, I did not like it at all. I'm loving season two. <laughs> yeah, so far so good, huh? Yeah, right, right. Um, and the last thing I want to say um, to get off the heavier stuff is I have a guests announcement at the end. Yes, that's plural. Guests announcement for next week. But you're going to have to stick towards the end of the episode to hear who we're going to have on. I am so excited because we're having a roundtable next I'll week. I'll put it this way. It's very interesting. Yes. Very interesting. Yes, yes. We're having a return guest and two newbies. Um, two newbies that get to meet Yoda for the first time. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, 
and I'm very excited for next week because we are having a roundtable. So, but stick around to the end of the episode and you'll hear all about that. So, all right. Are you ready to get into the episode? I am ready. All right. Chapter 13, The Jedi, is the 13th episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on November 27, 2020, and it was written and directed by Dave Filoni. Some extra information for you. Ahsoka Tano is played by Rosario Dawson. Her other works include the Netflix Marvel series like Daredevil and the Defenders, Rent, and Sin City. Magistrate Morgan Elizabeth is played by Diana Lee Onosato. Her, she, uh, she is a stunt coordinator and actor on series such as Star Trek Enterprise and Alita Battle Angel, and she has acted in Moonlighting and the AM Archives. Governor Wing is played by Wing Dao Chow. Wing is an architect and Disney legend from Walt Disney Imagineering. He was with Disney for over 37 years from 1972 to 2009 and led over 100 projects, including Disneyland resorts, luxury hotels, and and cruises before retiring in 2009. The Magistrate's Captain of the Guard, Lang, is played by Michael Bean. His other works include the Alien franchise and the Terminator. And finally, in a moment that it's so fucking dark, you cannot see it on screen, so why even fucking do it? Because it's so goddamn dark. Where is the lights in this show? Because this is a cool thing, and you can't even see it, goddamn it. Moment. <laughs> the assassin droids that work for the Magic Strait have the symbol of the Chimera on their heads. It is the same symbol that was used on Thrawn's flagship, the Chimera giving a connection from the Grand Admiral to these characters. And the, the connection of why Ahsoka, this woman's on Ahsoka's radar and, I remember, and why she's asking about Thrawn. I remember know? when this episode came out, like somebody had mentioned that, and I was like, nah And I took a screenshot, and I had to put it in my photo editor and brighten it almost entirely to the top of my little brightness just to see the Chimera logo. They might have done that to purposely... They might have been like, let's not make this quite... Let's... let's, let's so uh, This is the general audience show, though. Like, that's for, like, diehard Star Wars fans. Like, Yeah, no, they were probably still trying to, like, get, you know... Yeah. It's not going to stop diehard Star Wars fans, obviously, because you, th- yes. you threw... If you threw it in Photoshop, there were 100,000 other people throwing it in Photoshop, but it slowed you down. Yeah, it did. Isn't that right, cutie? Sorry, I have a pet and a cutie. He was just like, hi. Their food disposal goes off in 18 minutes. So oh, yeah, like, that's what, so they're all hanging out. Yeah, just like, hi. Yeah. Friendly time now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how friendly they are when the little clink clink goes off. It's always so funny. You hear that. And then you hear it coming down the stairs just like. Doo, 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 and my, like little scampering of paws on the hardwood. <laughs> my cat can feel. My cat can hear the brush of my fingers on the tips of the of of the bristles of her brush. With, with her back turned when I go to pick it up. All I have to do is touch it and she and her head just pops up. Yes. I think the little baggies that have the fish food in it sounds like they're treat bags because yeah. when I go to feed the fish in the morning, they any all crinkle, 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 crinkle just does it. Yeah. Any crinkle means something's being opened. And when something's being opened, there's something in it and they want to know. And one of the ones that are is finally coming around to me, Princess, like she has started like coming in when I'm getting my nightly cereal because she hears the bag and she's like, is that a treat? 
can I trust you for a second? Is that what I think it is? And I'm like, it's surreal, princess. You're fine. And she's like, but treats. <laughs> She'll only let me pet her if I have treats on me. Um, if I try to pet her any other time, she's like, no, don't touch me. I don't know you. She pulls a complete Bobby Hill of just like, I don't know you. That's my purse. <laughs> I don't know if I already said this, but we got I got treats for my cat and she totally doesn't care. To hate it. I put it in her mouth and then put it back down on the ground. Um, we, like... have, we have so many of those um, where our cats, because our cats have very specific treats, but if we try new treats, they will let you know if you don't like them. They'll, they'll be like, Bleh. Yeah. especially like when we had, when we still had spokes, like she had to take kidney treats and she was not having it. She was just like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to eat that. That's and a then, trick. Yeah. She's like, this does not taste like food. Oh, I miss that cat. Ah, do you know who I also miss when he's not around? <laughs> Hi, Yoda! He's back! He's back! How you doing? Not bad. That's good. I am super proud because today we are talking about somebody who is in your Jedi line. Jedi line? Yeah, because the, you trained Yoda, Dooku. How, how did you know the Jedi... The... The, the, have you ever seen Jedi line dancing? Oh, I mean, like your your like line your lineage. Oh, oh. Because like you trained Dooku, Dooku trained Qui Gon, Qui Gon trained Obi Wan, Obi Wan trained Anakin, and Anakin trained Ahsoka. Ahsoka, you know the disaster line, as it's called. Yes, very successful line that was. <laughs> and and jokes only. Very Charles proud will... of that line the Jedi are. Yes. In jokes that only Charles will understand, I was having... I'm sorry, Yet, I'm going to put you off to the side for a second because I'm going to tell the story. Um, uh, I was joking around with a friend because in the High Republic, someone that Yoda trained is a Jedi named Cantum Sai. And they have a Padawan named Lula. And Cantum and Lula are perfectly well adjusted. And then you look at the disaster line that is the Skywalker oh. line. And oh, I'm well, like, well adjusted Cantum was. Yeah, right. Well and adjusted. And I'm like, why Yoda is Cantum? Many, many things. And I, and I was joking with, uh, I think it was Arzu. And I was like, why is it like Cantum and Lula perfectly adjusted while the the... Skywalker line is a disaster from Yoda and she was like that's because Cantum and Lula are gay and I was like ah that's because Obi-Wan is now bisexual he's the most well adjusted of all of them so that's the trick be gay and you're a good Jedi <laughs> Obi-Wan was pretty gay yes yes he is now officially bisexual so hooray um Anyway, sorry, sorry, Yoda. But we're talking about your lineage tonight, and I just wanted to know because you did help train her some. Mm -hmm. Are you are you proud of Ahsoka and how far she's come in this episode? Yes, yes, grew up, grew up well, yes. And like she is totally bonding with Grogu. Like, aren't you uh, proud of that? Uh, secret you want to know? What? Grogu. Grogu Ahsoka did not like at all. Mm -mm. Really? Nice to him. Always nice to other Jedi she was. She's a nice person. Wasn't rude to him. But no, took a peek in, in inside of Grogu. All snakes. Mm. Grogu is made of snakes? Inside. Inside Grogu. Outside Grogu. <laughs> Out inside. Shh. <laughs> ah. 
Oh my god, really? Mmm, that's uh, so 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 Ahsoka. Yes. Ahsoka's also full of snakes? Yes. You know why Ahsoka picked him up like that? So he wouldn't bite her? Diaper load. Mm. Uh... Mm, picked him up, had a load, yep. Smelled like fish and eggs. Ew. That's why she was kind of like holding him away. Yes, egg poop. Ew. Gross. Gross. So did, I guess my follow-up question is, did Anakin ever have to deal with Grogu? Um, Anakin, yeah, yeah, Anakin, not the best with the kids, you know, not, <laughs> you know. You're right, he is not the best with the younglings. No, not, not much, to, not a fun, not a fun guy for the kids, not a story time type of Jedi was Anakin, no. Well, fun fact, Anakin and Grogu are the same age. Every time we left Anakin with the kids, it was always dodgeball the whole time. You just, just, he'd just throw out balls and play dodgeball. Uh, Come back, they'd have black eyes, uh, crying. I guess the last game of dodgeball was Order 66, huh? Gro Grogu ate, the, ate dodgeball half the time. Are you saying that they should have dodged balls better during Order 66? Oh, some of them, like Obi-Wan, didn't dodge balls. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're going to go on from Padawan oh, killings. Oh, Yoda must leave now? Okay. Yeah, you know, we started talking about child murder. It's time to go. <laughs> child murder and Obi-Wan's balls. Jesus. <laughs> All right, well, are you ready to get into this? You mean like Act One? I am. I am too. So, Act One. We open on Corvus, and it is dark and smoky and polluted, and everyone in this town are freaking out, and they're ringing the bells, and they're yelling, and soldiers are moving out of the city, and they're going into the woods because there's a fight going on. And it's just not a fight with anybody. Nuh-uh. These soldiers are fighting Ahsoka fucking Tano. And Ahsoka's just like, Hey guys, I'm gonna kick your ass. Cause I'm me. And I'm great. And they're all like, Oh god. And as this is happening, the Magistrate and Lang are watching from their little high tower. And they're like, Oh, teehee, look at all the, the soldiers dying. And Ahsoka's just like, What's up, bitches? Surprise! And then she like runs into the smoke, and then she's like, surprise! And then she runs to the into the smoke again, and all the soldiers are like, this is the worst surprise party ever. I want to go home. She's like, you can never go home because you're, um, oh, what's the word? Incarcerating these people. So therefore, you can't ever leave. I'm Ahsoka. Ahsoka. <laughs> and she, one by one, takes out all the men in a really, really cool thing, and then she walks out of the smoke. Cause she's the last person standing and then they play ahsoka's theme music and hope cries because i was telling chris before we started recording that every time i hear ahsoka's theme i get emotional and they use that theme like three times in this episode and every time it gets me right in the heart feels and gives me rebels feelings and uh and Ahsoka wants to know some very important information from the Magic Strike. And the Master Strike is just like, Oh, ha, ha, I will kill all these people in front of you if, 
if you don't leave, Ahsoka. And Ahsoka's like, I'm not leaving, bitch, so you tell me what I want to know about a certain blue husbando. And Magistrate is like, no! And Ahsoka's like, fine. I'm just gonna give you a day to think about it, and I'll be back. Instead of just, you know, doing this now. Okay, bye! And Ahsoka runs off into the woods like the feral child she is. Meanwhile, Himbo and son, Himbo and son, um, Din and Grogu are flying along, and they finally get to Corvus. And Din is just like, all right, child, we're here. And, and Grogu's like, Dad, are you okay? And he's like, I'm fine. And Grogu's like, cool. I'm going to take my emotional support silver ball off your handle there. And Din's like, don't touch the handle. This is a very important thing for the ship. And Gregory's like, sure, Dad. That thing's going to be very important for the next two episodes. (laughs) You're going to cry over that ball. It's great. And so they land the ship. And they decide to go out and see what they can find. And they're not going to cry over Obi-Wan's ball, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) Laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So... Din and Grogu arrive at the town, and he's hiding Grogu in a little pack. And Grogu's like, hi, I'm in a bag, and I'm cute. And Din shows up, and Lang is there, and D- Lang was just like, hey, what you doing here, guy? And Din's like, hey, I'm a bounty hunter. These are my bounty hunting skills. Can I, like, stay at the inn for the night? Because I'm super tired. And they're like, cool, you're a Mandalorian bounty hunter. Come on inside. And Jen was like, that was easy. Barely an inconvenience. Let's go. So they get into the town. And there's like a ton of guards everywhere. And the people are very scared. They will not even talk to Dan. And he and he also sees that there are a lot of people in captivity. And he sees a guy in an alleyway. And he's like, hey guy, what's up? And he does not know that this guy is actually the governor of the town. And the governor is like, dude, you can't be here. Like... Don't talk to us. You're going to get all of us killed. And Den's like, why is that? But they don't have time to talk about that. Because before he can talk to the governor some more, some guards show up. And the guards are just like, hey, Mandalorian, come to us. The magistrate wants to talk to you. And he's like, all right, cool, let's go. So he gets to her place. And it's like really super nice compared to the rest of the town. Like it has water and koi fish and trees. While everything else is gross. And destroyed. And Den goes, ah, this is where the money goes. Cool. And Magistrate is like, hi, so you're a Mandalorian, right? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, and you're a bounty hunter? And he's like, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. I Most days I'm a bounty hunter, I guess. It gets me by. And she's like, yeah, so I want you to kill a Jedi. And he's like, oh, that's well above my pay grade. I cannot kill a Jedi. And she's like, but I thought you were a Mandalorian. And Jedi, the ancient enemy of the Mandalorian. And she's like, and he's like, yeah, I guess. But I'm actually having some feelings about that. You see, I've met some Mandalorians recently. And my entire worldview is going up in smoke. And I kind of found out recently I was raised in a cult. And the magistrate is like, I literally don't fucking care. Here is a spear. Do you see this very important spear? It's made of pure Beskar. And he's like, I need it. Fine, I will do your job if if you give me the Beskar Spirit. And she's like, alright, here's your coordinates. And they give Din the coordinates and they send him out to find Ahsoka Tano. What'd you think of Act 1? I like that, Act 1. They, they didn't do, they didn't mess around and do the like, 
teasy tease, 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 tease. Boom, yeah. Ahsoka right in the first 30 seconds. Here we go. I, I remember that because I I was I remember being shocked the first time I watched this. I was just like, oh, they're just opening with Ahsoka. <laughs> okay. She's just gonna be a shape or something or a couple lightsabers in the mist and stuff, but then it's just like, hi, Ahsoka Tano here. Here I am for the episode. So that that was kind of nice. It it's this episode is uh is like a is like a exercise in boiling this everything down to its you know it's a longer than usual episode but it's very you know. Did I say this episode was written directed by Dave Filoni? I can't yeah. actually remember. Okay. <laughs> and it's boiled down to its simplest elements, <clears throat> storytelling wise, everything, and it's even kind of a low budget episode, you know. It's there's no big flashy special effects. There's special effects in it, but it's all sort of it's on a few simple sets, you know, and uh, the all the all the dialogue is there's no dialogue that doesn't serve a purpose. Everything is it's boiled right down to you know the the barest elements of it. So and it works really well. Um, I'm gonna call Groger. Groger's now Groger the Menace. He's just trying to cause trouble for get for screwing off his ball and stuff. He's just gonna be like that fucking ball. Like I, I actually like wrote this down. Like you always know you're. I, I love when people when when storytellers make an item very important because I, I I always feel like that's a sign of good storytelling because the first time that like Grogu steals that ball you do not think that it's going to be like this very emotional thing it's just him playing with a ball but like come next episode when the Razor Crest is destroyed and it's the only and like Grogu is gone like that ball has so much meaning and especially in Act Two when it's the thing that gets Grogu to connect to the Force again. Because it's a connection to Dan. Like that that to me is a sign of very good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I'll this, talk about the spear in Act Three. This episode reminds me, uh, I think this is the uh, of all the all the other Star Wars stuff, this this reminds me most visually of and storytelling wise of a like an episode of Visions. I have some thoughts about that, and actually I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. So I suck. First of all, because I have not had a chance to edit a single episode of Home Makes Chris Watch Cartoons in over a year. And so Chris doesn't know about this because we have yet to really get into Avatar Last Airbender. But the design of Corvus really harkens back to one of Filoni's first projects, which is Avatar Last Airbender, which is very strongly influenced by East Asian storytelling. Corvus is very much bossing say which is a city in the Earth Kingdom that is the capital of the Earth Kingdom, um, and it's designed as a series of rings. The outer ring is where all the poor people live, and it's run down, and it's scummy, and that's where all the crime is. The middle ring is where the merchants live, and then the inner ring is where all the wealthy people and the royalty live, and it's beautiful, and it's clean, it has trees, it's pristine, and Corvus very much reminds me so much of Bossing Say in so many different ways, from the color palette to the buildings, especially inside the magistrates area. It all feels very Bossing Say, which is, of course, influenced by East Asian storytelling, which is also very Star Wars visions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has it has a very animated feel to it too. Yes, this probably this is one of the most like animation episodes. It mm-hmm. feels like it's an episode of Clone Wars or Rebels. Sometimes it almost is two D. You know, it's really neat. Um, I love when they get off and you see the get off the razor crest and you see the sort of like dewback giant dewback looking creatures yeah. just sort of in the distance hanging out. It's full of nice little touches like that. And um the only other note I have is it's weird, the magistrate really kinda like I don't know if this is part of the if they meant this in the writing but like why didn't she kill the citizen she brought a citizen up there to go like how many citizens do you want to see dead ahsoka if you you know and and ahsoka and and ahsoka's like no i'm gonna kill you the magistrate is is by by bad guy or you know evil ruler law she has to kill that citizen if she doesn't kill that citizen she's completely weak because she has to show us so like show ahsoka that there's a cost you know that that yes i will kill the my own citizens you know okay. and i'll cold-heartedly in front of you but she doesn't she just is like lock go lock him up you know and so like she she and i'm like that's weird i, I mean it's a disney show but i'm like but that hasn't stopped them in the Mandalorian from doing <laughs> chopping people in half and stuff. So um, I I almost like like could see a scenario where the magistrate just like pushes the guy off the top of the the building and he's tied up, so of course he can't catch himself. And like them almost pull like a Stila Guerrero where Ahsoka catches him with the Force and then they shoot the guy in the air. Or like, something, yeah, something that like would have been chilling. Something like that, but. It could be it could be the magistrate blinking though, you know, the magistrate going like if I kill him now, she's just gonna hop up here and chop off my head. And, I did like, think about that too. So so like, I think it might that might have been the moment when the magistrate just um communicated to Ahsoka that she was weak and was going to lose. Yeah, and it's it's also at the end of the day, like because because it's the whole thing about Ahsoka just being like, I'm going to give you a day to think about this. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's just such a TV plot. Like, it puts a timer mm-hmm. on the show. Um, it builds the uh, the suspense of the show because there's gives, only a day. Gives Din the t- time to come in and make his deal with the magistrate. Yeah. So, like, like I think like the answer at the end of the day is plot. Mm-hmm. The answer is plot. That's why. But at the same time, like, I totally get it, too, because if she's supposed to be this, like, horribly evil ex-imperial, like, <laughs> imperial ex-imperial, could be imperial still, um, it's just definitely one of those things of just, like... It could be psychological. She's given it... She's try. She's not try. like, she's not trying to take this woman out of power as much as she is trying to get information out of her, but she's not going to leave her in power when she's, like, torturing her citizens and stuff. So yeah. it might have been Ahsoka's way of like sweating her for you know giving her twenty four hours to think about like, you know how much is your life worth, you know giving up Thrawn. And and that is also a very Jedi thing because the Jedi are supposed to preserve life; they don't take life. Right. So it could be Ahsoka giving her a chance as a Jedi to walk away like, alive. Yeah, yeah, if you want to walk away, um, 
give me the information and walk away from this, then here's your time limit. So it is a very Jedi-like thing that Ahsoka is doing. I agree. That's all I got for part one. Um, I've actually given two of my notes already, so... (laughs) Um, and I've actually have already said this third one. I will always get emotional hearing Ahsoka's theme song. <laughs> uh, just and it's it's the theme that they used when she is facing down Anakin in um, uh, 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 Twilight Twilight of the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. It's that song, and every time I hear that song, uh, I know it so well, and it gets me every single time hearing that song <laughs> um and i and i just love it i love that it's like a callback to rebels it is her theme from rebels um it it's a song that comes up in like all of her most vital moments um since twilight of the apprentice um and i i love it so much so my only other note because i've already said my other two is i i kind of really like seeing how the Empire has been there clearly for a long time because Corvus is supposed to be a forest planet and it's bare and polluted and all the animals are like struggling to eat stuff in the background. Um, so it's cool seeing that Corvus has been like utterly destroyed by the by the Empire. And the only reason I note this is because if we ever for some reason go back to Corvus, I would love to see the planet healing. Like maybe it's more green and the, the air is a little bit more clear. Like at the end of the episode when Ahsoka is standing with the governor watching Den leave, like it's a, it's the first time it's sunny. Um, it's still very like polluted and misty and stuff like that. But like it's brighter and lighter because they won. Um, but if we ever go back to Corvus, um, it, it actually kind of reminds me of Mustafar a little bit, um, uh-huh. where the force and the dark side destroyed Mustafar and turned it into a lava planet. But um, after Vader is killed, that planet starts to heal in the sequel tr- timeline, and it's not as lava e. There's not as much like lava and stuff like that because the dark side is gone. Um, so I would love to like come back to Corvus at a later date and see it in a different light. Um, I think that'd be a really cool thing that they do because it would show the light and the hope of the Jedi as well. Like when a Jedi comes and they fix things, people can heal, including the planet. They fix the vibes, man. <laughs> they give it good vibes. But that's all I have for Act One because I already said all my other notes. I like <laughs> honestly, all my big notes are later. I see. I'm ready for Act Two. All right. <clears throat> Act two. So Himbo and Sun are chomping through the woods and they're like, ha, where's this Ahsoka person? Do you know where this Ahsoka person is, Grogu? And Grogu's like, dad, I'm a toddler. You have all that Mandalorian tech for you to like track people. And Din's like, oh yeah. And he turns on his little like footstep finder. And he's just like, ah, I see your footsteps. Let's go. I but they end here. I wonder what's about to happen. And Ahsoka's just like, "What's up, bitches?" And she jumps out of nowhere and she starts kicking the shit out of Din. And Din's just like, "Ah, ah, ah!" And he's like blocking her lightsaber with her with his Beskar, which is very big foreshadowing to when he has to fight Moff Gideon at the end of the season with the dark saber. So we can actually kind of see how Beskar works against lightsabers. So it's actually really cool. And he like kind of holds his own against her. Not really. And as he's about to like really die, he's just like, Bo-Katan! <laughs> and she stops and she's like, what was that? He's like, Bo-Katan, Bo-Katan sent me. She's your friends, right? Your friends. And Ahsoka's like, ah! 
I guess we're friends. We're kind of frenemies. Like, we, we fought each other a lot. And then we became allies during the Siege of Mandalore. And then we, like, shook hands on it. But she has tried to kill me. But I also tried to kill her. And then we liberated Mandalore. So, yeah, I, I guess we're friends. Yeah, so she sent you. He's like, yeah, yeah, I need to talk to you about something. And Ahsoka's like, holy shit, shut up. Is that a baby Yoda? Is that a baby Yoda? Oh my god, it's a baby Yoda. Okay, I'm kidding. Because if anybody in canon ever calls Grogu a baby Yoda, it would actually be live-action Ezra Bridger. Let's be real here. Because Bridger, Ezra would that pick would up- That would be legit. That would be legit. Out of everybody in the Star Wars universe, Ezra Bridger would be the one to pick up Grogu and be like, it's a baby Yoda. <laughs> like he'd be the only yeah, person. He knows what Yoda looks like too, so. Does he yeah. know what Yoda looks like, or did he, he just hear his voice? He does, because this when the second time they go back to the temple, That's he right, actually right. sees Yoda. Yeah, um, right. And he talks with Yoda. So let's be real here. Ezra would be the only person who would ever call Grogu a baby Yoda. And I will laugh. <laughs> Calling it now. I call it now. Um, so that night, Ahsoka and Grogu quote-unquote talk. Because they're communicating through the Force. And she learns all about him. Like, his name is Grogu. And he was on the Coruscant Temple when Order 66 happens. And he was lost for a while. And then he has, like, 50 years of, like, bad memories that are kind of fuzzy. And most of all, Grogu, like, points at Den. And Den's like, Miss Ahsoka, that's my dad. He is the bestest. I have so many attachments to him. And she's just like, oh, okay, cool. Right. And Ahsoka, like, goes to Den, and she's just like, yeah, this is a baby Yoda, and he has the Force. Can he still wield the Force, though? And Den's like, oh, you mean the magic hand thing? And I actually have to laugh at this, because Rosario, bless, like, for all, for all her acting, when Den is just like, oh, you mean his powers? She literally closes her eyes, just like, boy, help me. You are, you are dumb. You are dumb. You're a dumb dumb. Oh boy, we got a dumb dumb here. She literally closes her eyes and smiles like, Son, come on. <laughs> and then she explains what the force is to Den. And Den is just like, Look, I need, I've been tasked by my cult leader to bring Grogu to a Jedi. And Ahsoka's like, There are a lot of problem words in that sentence, but let's focus on the most important thing. Uh, if you're looking for a Jedi, that's a problem for many reasons, my dude. Many reasons that we can't say here because then I have to explain how I'm not technically a Jedi, but we're not going to do that. So he asks Ahsoka for help. The next day, Ahsoka's like, fine, let's test Grogu by doing what else? Lifting rocks. And somewhere in the distance, the last Jedi, Luke Skywalker, is screaming in pain about having to lift rocks because that's a joke. Um, <laughs> and Grogu is like, oh, cool, what are we doing? Ahsoka's like, here, make this rock come to you, Grogu with the Force. And Grogu struggles because, you know, the kid has trauma. And Ahsoka's like, you know, it's fine. He's scared. Like, he had to hide being a Jedi to survive. And if you don't use your Force powers all the time, it's like a skill. If you don't practice a skill, you become bad at it. And Din goes into, like, full Papa Bear mode. And he's like, I believe in you, son. You got this. And Ahsoka's like, that's the spirit. Get over here, daddy. Let's see if you can help your kid. And Din comes over and he's like, all right, kid. 
You see this? It's your very important emotional support silver ball. You like this thing, and I'm connecting to you. And Grogu's like, the ball, my favorite thing. Surely nothing bad will happen to it in the next episode, Dad. And he was like, how do you know that? And he's like, I don't know, the Force? And Grogu pulls the ball to him. And and Din Din is so cute. He's like, that's a great job, kid. And he picks up his son. He's like, I love you, Grogu. And he's like, yeah, Dad. Like, he's really excited. And Ahsoka's like, this is not good. And Din's like, what's not good? And she's like, You two are really attached to each other. And I can't train him. And Den's like, what the fuck? What do you mean you can't train him? Like, he's... Have you seen my baby boy? My baby boy is perfect! And she's like, look, dude. I've seen what attachments do to the best Jedi. His name was Anakin Skywalker. He was great. And he was the chosen one. And he was funny. And he was a good pilot. And he sucked at cards. I won so much money off of him. Obi-Wan taught me how to play cards. And I beat Anakin all the time. And he had a wife. And his wife was secret. But everybody knew. Everybody knew he was married. And he fell to the dark side. And Din's like, I don't know what any of that is. And Ahsoka's like, didn't you watch The Clone Wars? <laughs> and Tim's like, why does everyone keep asking me that? <laughs> no, I have not watched Clone Wars. I don't know what a Clone War is. And she's like, oh boy, how are you the protagonist of the show? And he's like, I, I, I don't know, dumb luck. She's like, apparently. But I can't train Grogu. Watch to- Clone Wars, he hid in a dumpster during it. That's true, that's true. <laughs> and... So, and, and what I, I'm going to say this is a key phrase here because I definitely will bring this up on Act 3. Ahsoka refuses to train Grogu as a Jedi. 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 I will come back to this point in Act 3. Um, and so when she starts walking off because she's like, look, I made a time timeline for this episode. I have to be back in the day and my day is almost up. I got shit to do. And Den's like, the magistrate sent me here to kill you, Ahsoka. And she turns and she's like, boy, you can try. Because you sure didn't do it yesterday. And Dan's like, I have a, let's make a deal. Because I didn't actually agree to kill you. Um, I will help you with your little magistrate problem if you make sure that Grogu is trained. And she's like, fine. And they both head out to the village. What'd you think of Act 2? I like Act 2. When, like, when they started fighting, it reminded me of... With the background and everything of like those shadow plays, you know, there were, there were, there, I mean, there were Asian shadow plays and the sort of like um, European shadow where they would just, you know, cut out shapes. Like the puppets and, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There, it, it really reminded me of, of that. And uh, like at first I was very much, she's like, many masters have trained him. I'm like, oh, come on, you know, he's still, but then when I thought about it all, it all, made sense my other only other note is i think grogu's got gas in this one do you notice all the noises he's making are like he's making a lot of he's making sounds yeah but he's making very specific ones i can't remember what he was making a different kind of sound last last time he had bro he was doing breathing stuff last time he was doing little 
But this one, he was like, <laughs> and sounded like he was good, like he was gonna fart at any second. I just thought Grogu sounded kind of gassy, and I wonder if like, because they they really they they're really on the sound design always in Star Wars, and like it's almost like they they were like, okay, this guy's a baby. Let's let's capture all the sounds and moods of a of a baby, you know. And so, like this was this was gassy Grogu. And I, they, if it was if it was episode one, they would have gone for the fart, but they didn't go for the fart. Or if it was like the early Clone Wars season, they would have had him fart. But I um, first of all, I have two points. One is we did talk about how it's kind of cool that Grogu is more vocal this episode, this season than he was first season. My second point is, can you do breathy Grogu, Grogu again? Just because it makes me laugh. That sound coming out of the puppet. It's just <laughs> thank <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Which is how babies are little mouth breathers. So hey, yeah, that's a, that's a really all I have for Act Two. So first, I want to talk about Grogu's name because I remember the first time this episode came out, everybody was just like Grogu. What the hell? What's that name? And yeah, like, and the funny thing is, nobody wanted to hear his name. Nobody was expecting it, and 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 he didn't go like, "What's his name?" You know, which is what it. The, she just blurts it out. Oh, by the way, his name's Grogu. And yeah, and I remember thinking like, "Well, that's a weird name," but but that's because like in our head, he had been Baby Yoda for so long yeah. that that became his name. Um, I even remember watching like Pink Milk after this episode came out. Our friends were at Pink Milk, and Brian kept calling him Gogurt. By accident. And like, you know, like the food, Gogurt. <laughs> Gogurt is a good name for him, too, because he does sort of puke up Gogurt in that one episode. Yeah. So, yeah, Gogurt's a good name for him. But Grogu has like really grown on me over time. And what it's I sort of got frog in there, you know, it's, it's 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 a lot of Star Wars names sound really dumb at first blush. And then you grow to love them. Like General Grievous was just I was just like, oh, just such an obvious Dooku? Yeah, Dooku. Yeah, yeah, Dooku. You know, he it's like this guy is named after poop and he's named after baby talk poop and he's awesome. Yeah. And the thing about media in in a lot of media is that names do hold power. And in and like we see this true in a lot of stories like the Rumble still the Rumble Stillskin story, like names hold power. And becomes true in Star Wars because names like the Skywalkers, like Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, Han Solo, like these names hold power in the galaxy because of the stories and the myths around them, even though the people who have like who are behind them are flawed people. Han is a flawed person, but he is still a legend when someone like Ray and Finn meet him. They're like, yo, you're the Han Solo, holy shit. And he's just kind of a guy. But the reason I bring this up now is we see the shift in Den and Grogu and the power that knowing Grogu's real name has with Den. Every time Den says Grogu's name, Grogu perks up and he immediately like recognizes it. Um, and like it's a shift in their relationship. And so there is power with, for Den behind Grogu's name because it strengthens their connection because now he knows his child's name. <laughs> And I just think that's a really cool moment of learning Grogu's name because every time, and, and I think it's next episode that he'll just say Grogu's name for fun. He's just like, Hey Grogu. And Grogu's like, huh? 
<laughs> yep. And it makes Jen laugh because it, oh, it is. Yeah, the, the, it gives does a total himbo laugh. <laughs> yeah, but it gives power to their relationship and their attachment, and it helps that their their relationship grow. So there is power behind Grogu's name. Um. Something I, I, that Ahsoka says is she says that during Order 66, someone took Grogu from the temple and hit him. I do wonder who that someone is. Like, was it another Jedi? Was it like Bail Organa? Like, was just like, ah, oh, child. The we know janitor, it's not Bail. you know. Yeah, we know it's not Bail. I just threw out a name. But like, I think I would love to know who took Grogu from the temple. We might because- know. We might someday. You know? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's a story, but like that—that that is something that sticks out to me. Um, I to get my last short note out of the way, I will always cry over the moment where Ahsoka's like, "Yeah, Anakin, I knew Anakin. He was awesome, and he fell." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Anakin's dead by now, guys. Anakin's dead now." And Ahsoka probably well, knows that he's dead. I I I neglected to mention this, but like. Her, I think, I think her perform. I think she's like the perfect choice for Ahsoka. She just, like, instant, just like Bo-Katan, instantly, it's just like, oh, there's Ahsoka. You know, I had no, I, and, and this scene like cemented it for me. Just, you know, the look on her, the look on her face, you know, as she was talking about it, you know, but keeping it to herself was was just very nicely done. And, yeah, I, I, I think physicality wise and acting wise she's she's perfect that might be why they were averse to dropping her from the role because she's really my to me to me she really sinks right into it you know i okay putting all the the bullshit aside about rosario i think she almost has it i think she's like like to me like 80% 80% there. There's still something about her Ahsoka that's missing that like little bit of Ahsoka spark. I started seeing it more on my fourth viewing um, because she does have the physicality. She does have a little bit of the snark and she, the way she sits and like moves is very, very Ahsoka. But I, to me personally, I feel like she's still missing like that last little key thing that makes her Ahsoka. To we me. might have to see her longer to, in order to get that, you that, know, that's we, true. We, we had an episode where for the most part, she was fighting or had her guard up, you know, and when yeah. she didn't, that's when you did see her like smile or, you know, and, and here's the important thing to also remember the point of view of this episode is dense. It's not like, and right. so that's why the Ahsoka show will be very different because it will probably be Ahsoka's point of From view. From her point of view, yes. And so much of Clone Wars is framed as Ahsoka's point of view. So we're seeing the world through her eyes. But here we're seeing Ahsoka through Den's eyes. It is a Star Wars thing of how he is viewing Ahsoka and how she is and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's um, also the like the theme of the whole season too, you know? Very much so. So like... In the very few times we've seen live action Ahsoka, like she's still missing that like one little key piece that makes her Ahsoka to me. Um, and so like I I can't quite agree with you because she's still missing that like a, that and and maybe it's just because like Ashley Ashley Eckstein brought so much to like the voice and the emotion and stuff like that. Um, and I I am very salty of how they treated Ashley in all of this as well. Um, because Ashley had zero say, was not in the room at all. Um, and I don't think that's cool. Um, 
but uh, there's something that is missing to me in this character. But she almost has it. It feels like it feels very close, but not quite Ahsoka yet for me. So that's what I'm trying to say. Um, I do like seeing the first glimpses of Grogu's trauma. We know, especially in Book of Boba Fett, um, in the episodes that he has with Luke, that this is something he struggles with. Um, and it affects him and his abilities to use the Force. And I I like seeing this because it shows that they have to practice the Force. Just because somebody has the Force does not automatically make them a Jedi. And he had to hide his Force abilities as a Jedi to survive, which means he's now rusty. And... Like, we're talking about a very sentient toddler. Like, he knows what's happening around him. He understands the trauma that happened I mean, to him. I mean, maybe um, I'm I'm thinking, like, with during the Jedi Temple thing, the thing is, he's a little baby Yoda, but, like, back then, pre-trauma, he was probably very powerful. He might have, like, killed a lot of stormtroopers, <laughs> you know, to before he got out of there, you know. We, we don't know. I, I think we talked about this in episode two. I'm wanting there to say clone troopers. I should say. I, I think we were talking about this in episode two of Mando. It was right around when we first started Mando. But like when we find out that like 50 year gap of like Grogu's backstory, it's really going to contextualize the character because yeah. we just know so little about yeah. him, and because he can't talk. Because we're going off what everybody else is saying about him. And and we are connecting the dots. Like, that's a very sad story that we don't know. Um, we don't know where he is. We don't know where he has been. All we know is that he survived Order 66. And the next time we see him again, he is with some mercenaries in the Empire trying to kill him. There is a huge gap in his life. We do not know. Um and I think that's going to be really interesting when we get that really sad story because it's really going to tell us so much about his character. And I'm actually, I personally want it to get to where Grogu can talk. And I'm, I'm it's all for gonna, Grogu. It's going to go there some. They're, 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 he's he's going to, you know, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll do it slow. It's just going to be first like a word or two, you know. Oh, if his that's... first word is dad and he calls Din dad, I'm just going to fucking cry. I'm going to cry so hard. <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, it's going to be egg. Oh. <laughs> Can you see that word? Like, Din's like, say daddy. And he's just like, egg. <laughs> like, oh, fuck you, child. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Um, and my last note that I have for Act 2 is actually about the whole scene where they're testing Grogu. And the one who's the most interesting person to that in that scene to me is Din. Because Din is the one that keeps going, Grogu is stubborn. He can't do it. See? He's stubborn. He's not going to listen. And Ahsoka's like, dude, fucking chill. <laughs> Calm down. Like, why are you... He can do it. Like, why don't you believe in him? And like, and like, Din is this very interesting character because on one hand he's just like, see, he can't do it. But on the other hand, he's just like, yeah, that's my baby boy. Well, it, it wasn't. He was like, he won't do it, you know, more than he can't do it. But because he knows what he can do, because he saw him lift up a mud horn for well, Christ's sake. That's, that's the point that I'm trying to get. Because it feels like Din is proud of his son, and he he know he knows that he can lift a fucking mud horn, but 
I have to wonder if he's telling Ahsoka that Grogu can't do it because he wants Grogu to stay with him. Because well, yeah. if Grogu fails, then he doesn't lose his son. Because why else would he go to visit Grogu and book a Boba Fett? He loves Grogu. He loves this child. And he doesn't want to actually give him up, even though... And, and that is Din's internal conflict. His conflict as a Mandalorian to the armorer he has this mission versus his love of Grogu. And that's where his character journey is and and this point is he's starting to hit these crossroads where he's like do i choose my mandalorian path or do i choose my child and ultimately he does give up grogu because it is his mandalorian duty but we still see he struggles with it because he visits grogu in book of boba fett and he go he wants to see his son he goes to ahsoka he goes to luke he wants to see his child and they're like no you can't see him um and so like that's that's why that seems very interesting to me because Den clearly knows that Grogu can do it. He has the power to do it. He can lift a freaking rhinoceros and it's fine. But he's the one that's going, Ahsoka, see, he sucks. Don't take him. Don't take him. Look how bad he is at the Jedi thing. You don't want him, right? <laughs> and I just, I think that's a really interesting moment for Den because he's caught between like really being proud of Grogu and like really wanting him to succeed but he's also fighting his own internal feelings of just like, but I don't want to lose my kid. Yeah, and Ahsoka doesn't want to take him either. I know. So. It's kind of funny because he's like, what? Why won't you test him? She's just like, Fine. Yeah, no, they're both looking for a way, but he's also bound to, you know, get Grogu where he's got to go or whatever. And so they have to figure out, uh, you know, a way that, you know, so I, I think Ahsoka just figures out a good way to let him, you know, he gets to keep Grogu without breaking his Mandalorian, you know, Art. honor, but with doing it. To quote Pelimoto, to keep him from crying so he doesn't rust. Yeah. <laughs> I miss Pelly. Pelly's the best character. I love her. Um, anyway, that's all I had for Act 2. Wow, we were just like blowing through this episode. <laughs> Um, actually, it's no, actually, it is blown, not sucked out. Okay, yes, we are. We're not sucking out. This I, episode. We're blowing it out. I listened to you rant about space. I know people are blown into space, not sucked. Yes, good. I, I think about that every time someone says sucking the space because you <laughs> cursed me. Gosh, that's a deep cut. That's like one of our first episodes of like. Jay guys where you were like going on rants about like no people are blown into space <laughs> it's pressure it's the pressure behind them not the pressure and lack of pressure in front of them it is but the <laughs> lack of pressure but yes anyway are you ready to blow up act three i am all right act three let's wrap this giant whatever the hell do back looking creature in the background up so, Himbo and Ahsoka fucking Tano are talking shop on the way to the village. And Den's like, yeah, so they got guns and soldiers and assassin droids. And there's a guy named Lang, and he's probably bad at his job. But there's more of them than there are of us. So there's a lot of firepower. And Ahsoka's like, uh, don't forget about the magistrate either. And Den's like, yeah, that fancy woman with the koi fish. She bad? And, and Ahsoka's like, yeah, she's bad. She's like, 
this huge imperial that like built tons of ships and plundered several worlds and built and built star fleets and shit and din's like wow looks like she's setting up shop on corvus and she's like yeah i know and you know who else is really good at ship building programs thrawn hint hint thrawn was great at that and Dunn's like, I don't know what a Thrawn is. And before you ask, no, I have not seen Star Wars Rebels or read any, any Timothy's on. And Ahsoka's like, you should. Because <laughs> you're getting into this, dude. You really should. And they're like, anyway, we have a Mando and a Jedi. What could go wrong? And Ahsoka's like, don't say that. Anyway, let's go to town. And they head on out to town. So Ahsoka gets there first. And as she walks in... People are just like, oh no, the Jedi's back. And she's just like, what's up, bitches? And she jumps up on the wall and she starts killing dudes. And the town folk are like, ah! And they run in fear and they hide in their houses. And Ahsoka is just like, vroom, vroom, and like takes out some baddies. And finally she jumps down. And there's the magistrate and Lang and all their lackeys standing in front of the nice part of Bossingse. And Ahsoka's just like, hey, what's going on? And the magistrate's like, not much. How are you? And it looks like, great! And she tosses Din's pauldron with the mud horn at the feet of the magistrate. And she's like, by the way, I killed your bounty hunter. And the magistrate's like, oh, well, that sucks. And here we are. There's still more of us than there are you. And it looks like, cool. Well, so uh, where's your master? Because uh, I'm supposed to find a child, a little blueberry head child. And, uh, you know, he got shot off with some space whales with your master. His name may or may not be Thrawn. And, this, and the magistrate's like, you know what? I'm tired of this conversation. Fuck you. Kill her. And kill all the prisoners too. And they, all the baddies are just like, alright. Pew pew pew. And they start shooting at Ahsoka. And the magistrate's like, well, I'm just gonna go inside now. Bye. You guys kill the prisoners. And Leng's like, cool. And the prisoners are like, ah. And, and Leng's like, gotcha. But no, they don't got them. Because Din flies in out of nowhere and shoots all, down all the prisoners. And, and, wait, no, that's not what Din does. I just realized what I said. He does not kill the prisoners. He kills the guards, not the prisoners. The prisoners get free because Din That would have been pretty them. shocking in this episode, yeah. <laughs> that's not what happens. He's not Anakin playing dodgeball with younglings. They don't die. Um, and so Din zooms in there and saves the prisoners. And also, Governor Wing runs out. And he's just like, hey, thanks for freeing our people. And Din's like, no problem. Take them all inside. And Governor Wing is like, cool. So he takes all the prisoners inside. And they all hide. So then we have like three, four minutes of just pew, pew, pews and sneak, sneak, sneaking because Ahsoka's like running around town and the guards are like, where is she? And then they die one by one. And we even get a Tuka cat sighting because they're like, what's that? And the cat's like, oh, I'm a cat. Because ah, it's a Dave Filoni show. So therefore, there must be a Tuka cat in there. Because... And we're going to see it twice. Yep. So we got to have a Tuka cat in a Dave Filoni episode. And the Tuka cat runs away. And... As he's going along, Lang, the mercenary, starts fighting all of his friends dead. And he's just like, well, fuck. And he runs out into the courtyard, and there's Den standing there. And all the prisoners are gone. And Ahsoka's standing behind him. And he's just like, oh, they teamed up with the Jedi. Huh. And Ahsoka's like, all right, well, I gotta go fight this lady. And she jumps over the wall and goes up to the magistrate. And... 
In a very East Asian film kind of moment, Ahsoka and the Magistrate face off, and they don't even say anything, and they remove their overrobes, and they pick up their weapons, and they're ready to fight, and it's just awesome, because it's just really good visual storytelling that they don't even need dialogue, and they just start battling it out, and it's cool. And Lang is just standing there with Den, and he's just like, hi. Den's like, hey, what's going on, dude? And Lang's like, I don't know. You want to you put bets on who will win? And Jen's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm just not even, no, nah, really. We'll probably just, like, bet our lives and stuff. And Link's like, cool, cool, cool. But, but who do you think will win? And Jen's like, are, are we really doing this? We're just going to banter while there's a really bitchin' fight going on inside. And Link's like, yeah, people have to know that we're still here, you know, because you're, you're the protagonist. And Jen's like, I don't care if I'm the protagonist. There's a really bitchin' fucking fight going on inside. And he's like, yeah, you're right, you're right. Oh, oh, you hear that? It sounds like my boss lost. So, uh, I'm just gonna end this fight now, okay? And Den's like, cool, cool, put your gun down. And Lang starts to fake like he's gonna put down his blaster, and then he takes a shot towards Den, and Den's like, bitch! He just shoots him right back, and he kills Lang. And Ahsoka gets the magistrate, and the town is free! Hooray! And Ahsoka has her lightsaber to the magistrate's throat, and she's like, where is the guy? And the magistrate's like, what guy? And she's like, you know who I'm talking about. Blue Husbando. Where is he? And she's like, I will never tell you where Grand Admiral Thrawn is. And Ahsoka's like, well, I'm just going to have to assume that we do. Because we don't actually know if you told me or not in the episode. Because it just kind of ends. And that's it. But it doesn't matter. Because we hear his name and all the Thrawn fangirls go wild. And Blue Husbando. Hooray. So the next day, the town is free, and Wing is governor again, and Ahsoka and Den walk outside, and Ahsoka's like, hey, Den, here's your Beskar spear, and, like, I had a laugh, because this, he's such a fucking himbo, Den turns down the Beskar spear, because, get this, he didn't actually kill Ahsoka. <laughs> He's like, I'm not going to take this very important heirloom to my people because I didn't kill you. And Ahsoka's like, oh, okay, well, happy Merry Unbirthday. I got you a spear. And he's just like, oh, a spear? Thanks, Ahsoka. And then he takes the spear. <laughs> it's so stupid because <laughs> he's an idiot, everybody. Din Djarin's dumb. And That's I love it. Right. Not he's, too bright. He's so, I, I'm like, why did you Not just the brightest that? bulb in the space chandelier. never gonna kill Ahsoka. He never agreed with the magic. He even says that in episode. He's, he tells Ahsoka, I never agreed to kill you. He's but not the sharpest knife in the space drawer. I don't understand that dialogue. I don't. Like, why is he just like, no, thanks for the spirit, dude. Thanks. I got it. Like, no. He's just like, I didn't finish the job, so therefore... I don't have the honor of spear. Like, what? Get the fuck out of here, dude, man. Go get your kid. He does real good with what he's got. Oh my god, I love Den. He's such an idiot, but I love him. <laughs> he's my boy. Um. Anyway, so it's time for Den to give up Grogu, and he's just like, I gotta go back to the ship and get my son. 
<laughs> and he like cries the whole way back. And he gets back, and he sits with Drogu for a while, and he gives him his favorite little froggy snacks, and he cleans him up, and he puts his little bow tie on him, and he takes like a hundred pictures on his comm just to make sure that he has memories saved. And he's just like, Alright, kid, it's time to give you up to the nice Jedi lady. And Ahsoka shows up, he's just like, Uh, I'm not taking your kid. And Den's like, Oh, thank God. I mean, what? Why? Why are you not taking my precious baby boy? He's perfect, Ahsoka. I thought you were Ahsoka freaking Tano. But no, I see you're Ahsoka backstabbing Tano. And Ahsoka's like, dude, chill. Like, you're Grogu's dad. I'm not gonna take him from you. He has too many attachments to be a Jedi. That is the key word here, a Jedi. But I'll tell you what, if you want to go to Tython, there's a planet called Tython. And it has ruins of a temple and stuff like that. And it's really strong with the forest. What you can do is put Grogu on top of the super special rock. And on that rock, he can call another Jedi. And if another Jedi hears him, he'll come find him. But it may or may not work. And you may or may not have to give up your son. Probably not. Because there's not a lot of us. There's like 12 Jedi left. Good luck, everybody. And, she, and he's like, cool, so I, there's a really high chance of me keeping my son and not giving him to Luke Skywalker at the end of the season, right? And Ahsoka's just like, ah, I gotta go. I gotta go, dude. Okay, good luck. Bye. And Ahsoka walks off. And and Den's like, cool, let's go to the planet next week. And he gets Grogu, he puts him on the Razor Crest, and they fly off to Tython for next week. The end. Den is so dumb. Yeah. What did you think of X3? Um, the only line of dialogue that I didn't like is that she said, where is Grand Admiral Thrawn? I think she should have just said Thrawn. I agree. Because you don't... She Between the two of them, they know who she's talking about. With all the people who know who Thrawn is, they know who they're talking about. You don't need to explain that he's Grand Admiral Thrawn to the newbies. It doesn't matter. It'll matter later. But really, all that matters is the word Thrawn. So, and it would have just, that would have been in like, in the whole like, um, spirit of economy that this whole episode's been using in the storytelling. It just, it would have flown, flown from the lips so much smoother just like you know where is Thrawn the only thing that makes me wonder about why she said that word is A we don't know where Thrawn is so for all we know he could be back he could be a Grand Admiral for all we know that's information that Ahsoka knows that he could be back and doing his Grand Admiral thing we don't know if she knows (laughs) it's like like that scene from Friends we don't know that she knows that we know that she knows right 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 Um, so he could be a Grand Admiral right now, but I, I totally agree. All well, you really I just need think is it was superfluous and it sounded, it just didn't sound as right as the line of dialogue, you know. I totally agree. Tell me where Thrawn is. You know, it would have just, it would have been so much more threatening sounding, you know, and not a mouthful of syllables. But that's just like a minor. On, on, uh, I have another quibble, but I'm going to couple it with the, the, the best and the worst. And the and the, and the worst thing isn't like bad. It's just like it was, um, but 
sound design wise the sound when she jumped up the, the their alarm bell which is surprisingly not very alarm sounding it's like kind of a warm bell you know it actually it's, reminds me a lot of the Andor trailer, like the very yeah. first Andor trailer but, with the guy in the bell but tower. That bell goes bong alert, you know. This mm-hmm. this one just is sort of like whom, you know. It's more, it's it's very zen alert. But when it gets cut in half and then falls in two pieces, still vibrating, and then falls and clatters down to the next level, and then and just. Just for the sheer delight of sound design and visual, they just, you know, there's no reason for the camera to follow it down there, but it's beautiful. And the sound design of it, both halves of it are like, are still vibrating from when it got cut in half, but they're vibrating like, you know, they're deadened because it doesn't have the big bulb in the middle of it. And when it hits, it makes two different kinds of clangs on each end of it. Is it each end? Hit. It's just beautiful sound design. The sound design that I thought didn't work as well for me. And I think it works as well in like most people aren't going to like hyper pick it out. But like as just from doing audio dramas, when when they're fighting inside and um and den's listening you know they're listening to the fight from outside the wall it's basically just the fight turned down in volume and it's like you hear too much detail of it you would hear just little you know the this the you would know there's a fight going on and you would hear like lightsaber and beskar hitting each other but it would be very obscured and bouncing off a million things and stuff and it was and and i would have like like i was but it was just basically a quieter version of what was going on inside and uh and and like literally i think like when they were doing the sound design the sound designer basically synced up when they were editing that scene or well, not the sound designer, but when they were putting that scene together, they took the, they had the sound of the battle and they just put it, they just laid it out. This is so nerdy of me to be talking about this. They laid it out on a track underneath it and just had the, and you know, had the videos start up when you cut back to that scene. But when they're, they're talking out front, they just took, took the video out and then, turn the volume down so they didn't even have to cut the thing you know so it's like and and at the same time it makes sense because it would be that would be what was going on in the battle when when they were out there and it would be separate sound effects than the ones inside but i don't know i, I just that, that's just a nerdy nerdy quibble can um, i um cut in right past uh sure. your microphone is going in and out from crackling really um, and it's, it, it keeps like, it'll start crackling and then it'll stop and it'll start crackling and then it stops. But like during that whole thing, I just wanted to let you know, like I can hear you. I totally understood everything. It wasn't like it was breaking up or anything, but just so you're aware, like there's a low level, like kind of crackling sound. Huh. I wonder what that is. Hang on. But you sound fine now. Like I said, it's like it was going in and out of like crackling. At first, I thought it was me because I was messing with my desk and like I thought it was my microphone crackling. And then I muted myself and I could still hear it. Uh, I'll I'll go listen to the recording after we're done and see what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. 
just I just wanted to let you know. But like I could hear you one hundred percent fine. It was just kind of like it sounded like there was just something like as you were talking, like it's like a crackle. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Just wanted to let you know. Anyway, go on. Um my only my only other notes is one of the robots says Boshuda, which is a, a job of the hotline from Return of the Jedi. Boshuda. <laughs> and uh I don't really like medieval music, but I love the med- sort of medieval-sounding Mandalorian music at the end of this. It sounds really good. Hmm. There's just a sort of very, very, you know, less less synthy-sounding version of... of it, it was really good. It was still synthy, but it was, like, very... It was... I'm trying to think of what... The, it's probably not the right musical word, but it would sound right. But it, it, yeah, it just sounded very like a medieval dirge or something. But it wasn't really a dirge because it was sort of upbeat. Mm-hmm. But nice, nice music. And that's all I got. Um, to get my short notes out of the way, um, I love the fight between Ahsoka and the Magistrate. Like, and I love that there's no dialogue. It it feels like a samurai movie. Where Ahsoka yeah. just shows up, they look at each other, they size each other up, they both take off their overrobes, they pick up their weapons, they have a first couple blows just to kind of fill each other out, and then they just fucking get into it. It feels like a samurai movie, um, and it's all just visual storytelling. Like, the only, the first line of dialogue is the end, when she's just like, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? Um, and it's just, it's a really cool fight scene. So. Yeah, and they have nothing to talk about, so they didn't so they didn't talk. It's yeah. just like lean and mean. Um, my other short note is my blue husband was mentioned. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I do like the connective thread, especially being a Filoni episode, um, that we know that Ahsoka and Sabine are looking for Ezra. And the person, last person seen with Ezra was Thrawn. So I liked the callback to, to Rebels. But I will say, um, and I and I didn't mention this, like there's a lot of debate around like whether or not this is Soka pre Ahsoka the White. I mentioned that at the top. Um, but I, I personally have a lot of mixed feelings about live action Thrawn and live action Hera and live action Sabine and live action Ezra. Um, I'm a very firm believer that those stories start in animation and I'm kind of mixed about all these animated shows coming into live action because I'm scared about the future of, of animation. I'm afraid that live action is going to take over. Um, I don't and know. Take- live action's kind of expensive though. I, but I will say, the thing that makes me feel better about this is at Celebration, somebody asked Filoni, what does he think is more important, live action or animation? And he flat out says they're equal. He is like, this is not even debate. Like, I love animation. It is not a debate. It's not one or above the other. They're both equal and both valid in their own right. So I that mean, does really, make really me feel animation, the, the, the animated Star Wars has been the creative well the live uh, action Star carried, Wars has been drawing from. It carried Star Wars for 10 years. Like, the only Star Wars we had was Clone Wars. So, like, it is important. And, of course, Filoni was on the forefront of that. So, like, yeah. Um, so that does make me feel better. But I do have mixed feelings about 
all of these animated characters coming to live action. But we'll see how it handles. Like, I, I don't want to judge it until I see it. So, um, hold on one second. My stepmom texted me. I just wanted to make sure it's not important. Okay, it's not important. Sorry. Uh, so, for all that, that's the last of like my short notes. Here are all my long notes because I saved like all my big notes. Actually, no, I have one more short note. I just, no, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that one. So my big note, let's talk about the very important spear. I forgot this is the episode that the spear came from. And we were talking about the very important items that have through lines throughout the shows, like the silver ball. The spear very much is a very important item because the spear very much is a representation of Den's character journey. It's Beskar. It is everything that represents him as a Mandalorian. And it starts off as a spear. It is a weapon. It is what Mandalorians are known for. They are known for their weapons. And he uses it as a weapon in the season finale to fight and save his son and claim the Darksaber. Another very important thing to Mandalorians, even though he has no clue what a fucking Darksaber is when he gets it. But the spear starts off as a weapon that he uses to help save his son and change his life. But eventually, the spear gets melted down in Book of Boba Fett. Just as these layers, we've been talking all season about Din's character journey, and like these layers are coming off of him. He is being stripped away of all these Mandalorian things to find out who Din Djarin is. Just like the spear is melted down and gets gets turned into a puddle of nothing because he himself is getting melted down as well. And it is finally reforged in Book of Boba Fett. It's reforged into Grogu's chainmail. It is a representation, goes from weapon to protection. And it's a it's a symbol of Din's protection over his kid and who he is in Book of Boba Fett. And I completely forgot about the importance of the spear until I saw it in this episode. And I'm like, oh, it's that thing. Oh, that and it's a also a thing. weapon that you can fight another Mandalorian with. Exactly. And we and we see that too. And I just the spear is so interesting because it very much represents who Din is as a person. If the ball is Grogu, the the spear is Den, but it eventually becomes the chainmail that is a representation of Den's love to his son. And I love it. I love the spear. <laughs> um Okay, I saved all my Ahsoka notes for this for Act 3 because I wanted to get to it instead of like just jumping around. I first wanted to pose a question to you because my answer is very mixed. Um, for someone who has never watched animated Star Wars before, do you think this is a good introduction to Ahsoka Tano? I think it's as good as any. It's very, it's very um it's very like if you knew nothing, 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 you know, you just just were watching The Mandalorian and hadn't paid attention to anything. And this was a character that came in. She would just be a cool Jedi character. You know, she's very she you know, she's ba basically in battle. And then like the I, I don't even want to call it exposition, but it's exposition. But it's just, you know, very it's it's but it's very deftly done. But like. Uh, she would just be this sort of cool Jedi character and totally sort of in the form of this episode, you know, like 
sort of um, and um, manipulate manipulating both sides and stuff. But like, yeah, I I think, uh, but there's not you don't know much about her, you know, uh, you, because a it's Din's perspective, so you're only known as much as Di, as as a doofy himbo gleans from the whole thing. And as far as that goes, it would be like. She would be a really cool character, and some people might just like, you know, really like her look or like the performance and be like, oh, I'm really excited about this character. But you wouldn't be, you wouldn't know a lot about her or anything like that. It would be, it's just a nice introduction, you know? And uh, it would probably be enough to like make them interested in seeing the show, maybe, you know? Like, but, um, yeah, that was if I, you know, as as someone who'd never watched the show, as someone who watched the show, I thought it was it was good too because it it still gave you, you know, you're looking at an older Ahsoka, so she's a different person, you know, she's had there's been stuff that's happened to her in between and that comes through and, you know, and you know, they probably they also probably knew that uh everybody watched the cartoon it's going to be a little weird transition into live action so they kept it simple you know the whole episode is very very simple to its benefit i agree i think it's a fine introduction to ahsoka yeah we're not going to get seven seasons worth of characters in a 42 minute episode it's we just don't not need to happen. yeah and yeah we don't need um, to and, and why waste that when you can you can stretch it out for the newbies, you know, and use it for dramatic flair for through seasons, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If anything, like, I agree. I feel like it's a good palate cleanser. And if people, I do think it gives enough to where if people are intrigued by this, then they can go back and watch the show. And, yeah. and, and I have heard that like, um, God, I know people are going to laugh at me, but um, currently right now, the nostalgia critic, Dave Walker, um, last year he watched Clone Wars for the first time and he was like, I knew about Ahsoka from the Mandalorian. I did not know all this. And this is awesome. And, um, he's now working his way through rebels, which is funny because he does not like Kanan at all, <laughs> which I'm just like, Dave, Dave. Um, but it, it, it is true. And I remember when this, these episodes were coming out, I was still working at the comic book store and I remember my boss asking me about Ahsoka. Like, so it does generate intrigue because he loved Star Wars, but he just never watched any of the animated yeah. series. And, and, and for, the pe for people oh, like you and me, it gives a, it just gives us a chance to see what Rosario Dawson looks like in action. You know, the physicality of ah Ahsoka and uh and acting you know just sort of you know dialogue acting with her you yeah. know um so here's the thing that i kept hinting at about the jedi one of the biggest hang-ups i had when i first watched this episode because i had a very visceral negative reaction to this episode when it first came out like i was i wrote a whole blog on it on my personal blog because i had such a bad reaction to it and then I watched it two more times and I felt kind of meh about it. And the thing that I was struggling with was her attachment thing. She, how she kept saying, no, I'm not going to train him because he has attachments, which just didn't at the time feel very Ahsoka Tano-y to me because she, that just didn't feel like who she was. And 
sitting on it for a while now. Um, I want to trust Dave because this is his character. He wrote this episode. He directed it. He knows Ahsoka better than anybody else because he is her creator. Um, and then on this viewing, there is a moment where I realized that I think I figured out why Ahsoka was so hung up on the attachment things and why she wouldn't change Grogu. And what stuck out to me was Din specifically asked Ahsoka to train Grogu as a Jedi. She says that no, because Grogu has attachments to Din. Because there is a difference between a Force user and a Jedi. Those are two very different things. And because we have so many different kind of Force users, especially in animation. We've seen the Night Sisters. We've seen the Lasats. Like, there are so many different kinds of Force users. So I have to wonder, and all Din has context for is Jedi. He doesn't know anything else. So all he knows is he's supposed to have a Jedi, so he asks Ahsoka to train him as a Jedi. And so it makes me wonder that if Din had asked Ahsoka to train Grogu as a Force user and not a Jedi, if her answer would have been different. Because actual Jedi training is something that's outside of what she's willing to do because A, she's not a Jedi anymore, but B, Grogu's attachment already makes him fail as a Jedi, but he wouldn't fail as a normal Force user. So I that that like really recontextualized the scene for me because all Din knows is to ask for a Jedi. He doesn't know about the bigger world of Force users. And that made, like, <laughs> realizing that made the episode make so much more sense to me of why she said no. See, because... I don't. I think she. I I think she understood it. I I think she understood that Din's kind of, um. Oh, what do you call it? A dim bulb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a himbo. Not too bright. And she and like when he said train him as a Jedi, it was very much as like him saying, "May the Force be with you" to the to the two cops that were pulling him over. You know, he doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. She she just knows that giving power to baby Yoda, training him and and, you know, building up his Jedi power. I mean, it's very, very she is she she's seeing, you know, I think what she's seeing is, you know, part of what like broke Anakin is his separation, like from his mother you know, get it getting separate. So she's just like, you, you know, if if we separated him from you and then put him into training, it's very much like Anakin. And he's also very, you know, he's a little Yoda, so he's very powerful. And, and the other and, thing and is she it, just she knew she knew it's just like any Jedi train, you know, I mean, force user Jedi training their force using training is just going to be probably edited and slightly adapted Jedi training. Cause that's what they know. So they're going to have to like, you know, do, you know, change, you may, you know, avoid some stuff and, and stuff like that. But it's still basically training someone to use the force. And, and I think she just understands that it's probably not a good idea. And, and there was another thing that like re like that changed in my mind and a lot of this is the stuff hi hi leonard sorry a cat walked up to me hi leonard hi bubby i i will play with you soon i know uh he's like play we're almost done i promise 
Um, you're a cat. You have no concept of time. Um, the other thing that really changed this is the stuff that we've gotten after this episode that really fixed a lot of this episode for me is Ahsoka realizes by that Din doing this, there is a lack of choice for Grogu. And Ahsoka right. is big about yes. choices. That's what why I was she just walked- gonna say. That's why she walked away from the order is because she essentially wanted the choice to. And her saying no to Din gives Grogu two chances at making a choice. Number one is going to Tython, where she says Grogu will choose to reach out to a person. And he does. He chooses it. And then he chooses it again in Book of Boba Fett. And that's where Luke comes in. Because Luke is just like, look, dude. I don't know if your heart is in this. Like, I don't know if you actually want to be here because of your dad. So here's a choice. Do you want to be a Jedi or a Mandalorian? Here's your lightsaber or your chainmail. Here's your choice. And that did so much for me for this episode because Ahsoka saying no gave Grogu not one but two choices to choose the path. And that, to me, is a very Ahsoka Tana moment. And it absolutely fixed the biggest problem I had with this episode, which was the attachment thing. Because that, to me, didn't feel like Ahsoka. But Ahsoka giving Grogu not one but two choices in the long run to choose Den did feel very, very, um, very Ahsoka Tano to me. And it fixed the episode for me. And that's kind of the thing about, like, not... And and I, I fell for it. Like, I judged this episode so harshly when it first came out. Like, I, I think you're number. I was mad at this episode. Yeah. I hated this episode. But sitting and giving things time and seeing what plays out after it and the stuff that happens in next week's episode, as well as the season finale, as well as Book of Boba Fett, having the time to sit on these things really did show that they knew the groundwork that they were putting here. To, for the later stories. And it paid off for me big time. Big time. Big time. So, but that's all I have for this episode. Did you have anything else? No. All right. So, score up the episode for me, Chris. Well, as you can tell, I really like this episode. Um, it's my favorite kind of Mandalorian episode. The The sort of like... Asian inspi- Asian storytelling inspired lean and mean it's a lot you know but like I I don't put it in the same category quite as like the, the very second episode of the first season you know but it's it's maybe because it's got some of the weight of story past and future with Ahsoka in it and it's got like a good good chunk of dialogue, even though it's very spare, you know, very intently written dialogue. It's still like a little more dialogue than the perfect episode like that. But so I'm like putting it at an eight point five rather than like a nine or a nine point five where these episodes usually fall. But I really like this episode a lot. And I'm and I was very and am very happy i like how i like her portrayal of uh of ahsoka i think it's 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 gonna i think it's gonna work out you know as as a a viable character so 
8.5. 8.5-er. So if you would have asked me how I would have rated this episode <laughs> the week it came out, probably would have given it like a 5, to be well, honest. Well, remember, I like, I like texted you and was like, hey, how about that? And you were just like, Yeah, like <laughs> I, I like, would have. Oh, hey, that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably would have given it like a five when it first came out because i really hated this episode um but honestly this is a testament to the stories that have come out since um and how they recontextualize everything and why we need to sit on stuff um i will always be a sucker for ahsoka's theme it will always get me in the heart um and i do like this episode better um the stuff with rosario does affect my viewing a lot of live action Ahsoka. So it does get me and does make me struggle separating the artist from the art. Um, that said, I do like a lot of stuff in this episode. I just like a lot of the other episodes better. Um, but I think, I think it's pretty good. I gave it an eight out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. So time for our guest. Next week, you guys, we have not one, not two, but three guests on the show for a Mandalorian roundtable all about Boba Fett and Phoenix Shand. And I have to say, these three people ship Boba and Phoenix. So it's going to be a ship. And I already told them they can be raunchy as hell if they want to. And they're all excited. Steamy on J-Guys and Jedi. I told them they can. And they are all very excited about it. So we are having a roundtable next week um, with three guests. Returning to Jacobs and Jedi is my fellow Geeky Waffles writer, editor for Collider, and host of Space Waffles podcast, Arzu Amin. Next, she's the host of another Waffles podcast, Starbucks Lover, a Taylor Swift podcast, and the lead news editor for Collider. Now you love it. And finally... A third contributor to the Geeky Waffles and one of the hosts of Followers of the Force podcast, Hannah. And I'm so excited. They are three of my favorite people. I adore them all. I'm so excited for next week. I cannot wait to talk about the tragedy with them because what's really interesting and the reason why I asked the three of them is they are very much in the same boat as me and Chris. And they are first-time lovers of of Boba Fett. Because of next week's episode. And I feel the exact same way. I, It's going to be a fun time, you guys. I'm very I excited. wasn't exactly a hater. I was just an I don't care. I, I was kind of like a I don't care either. And we next week's episode made us all love Boba Fett. So I'm very excited for our roundtable next week. So. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from a friend of ours as we finish up our bad batch season one feedback with an update from a previous episode because remember a few weeks ago we found out that yoda can't read so he can't work on a memoir because he can't we read do we all remember that well we have a follow-up take it away chris um well uh charles from gold squadron gaze says i've all i i i i can't decide whether to just say charles volunteered to ghostwrite Yoda's memoir or, or say or say Charles wrote I volunteer to ghostwrite Yoda's memoir so I say them both you don't know what you're getting into that's Charles, very don't. that's very <laughs> nice of you Charles but remember Yoda can't read or write so he can't send you like written notes and stuff like that 
You're, you're going to have to sit with this guy. And the good thing is you can write whatever you want. He's not going to know. And, and, and just you just have to make sure an audio book never comes out or they never make it into a movie. I mean, but, Charles has been texting Yoda for ever since he was on the show. Like, he has Yoda's number, and they do text. So... Yeah, but what, Yoda's just seeing a bunch of gobbledygook there, and then just <laughs> who knows what. And then Yoda's probably just sending pictures back, knowing Yoda. That's so what emojis are for. Don't you know what an eggplant emoji means? And a little <laughs> right, right. But the there's only simple concepts that you can conceive with it. You can communicate with him through emojis. It, like, That's I mean, it would Snapchat be funny if the whole Yoda, if the whole Yoda, like biography was written in emojis. <laughs> that would be fun. That's what Snapchat and TikTok are for. Oh my God, Yoda on TikTok. <laughs> oh God, dirty Yoda on TikTok. Yeah, can you make the TikToks? That's your that's your TikTok, Chris. You're gonna get a Yoda puppet and make a dirty Yoda TikTok, man. That's your okay. that's your calling. No, you need a phone and and no life to 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 do a TikTok career. Oh, man. But Charles, you're a braver man than I am because I would not ghostwrite yeah. yours anymore. No, I, think he's, I, I, don't, I don't think he thought before he his fingers started typing on that one. Just no, think no, long and has, hard on that one, man. He has thought about it. He is here for it. I it's know he is. not enough squirt guns in the world for me <laughs> <laughs> Like I had, I had to rewrite somebody who was like almost functionally illiterate's college uh, paper once because the teacher told them if they ever handed him something like that, they were going to laugh him out of class. And so I got paid to rewrite this guy's paper and that almost broke my brain. I can't imagine what a whole biography of Yoda who's what, like centuries old. Think of how long, that, you know, and, you know, just think of that. Think of that. You're in your, you know, 85 of Yoda. You've been sitting in his cave for six, you know, coming regularly to transcribe from his cave for like six months and you're on your 85 and well, let me think about then Yoda. Oh, um, maybe a game of Parcheesi would make Yoda remember, you know, it's going to be just terrible. Terrible. Sure. Charles, you have to make Cantum's section really good. Don't ever play Parcheesi with him. He's he's he'll trick you into Parcheesi and you'll regret it. Charles, make Cantum's section really good and make sure that they are fully in love with with Comac Vitus. That's your it, that's your job. It's also 3D space Parcheesi. <laughs> wow. Um, again, no candy this week because it's my last week at cat sitting and I forgot to pack it. So, <laughs> oh, no candy next week because we have Maybe cats, we so can we... both eat a cat treat. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. They have temptations and honestly, I'm not that temptationed about no. it. So. <laughs> well, um, if that's all you have for the Jedi, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website. And all the cool podcasts have a website now on the, in the, the cool place called the Internet. You can find all of our podcasts there and you can look at them as we release them. Or you can go look at each individual podcast there. See what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear, what you don't want to hear. You can also find us on Facebook. We've got the Two True Freaks podcast where we post up all our episodes. we got the Two True Freaks cantina. 
where we just hang out and if you shoot somebody the band just stops for a couple seconds and then the bartender goes back to wiping down his glasses and the music kicks back up so hey relax and uh also if you're feeling really brave <clears throat> you can go to twitter and fight your way through the bots and uh you can find gene gene the bot hunter machine Pew, 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 pew. Gene hunts bots. <laughs> Running our Two True Freaks uh, Twitter page. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where you can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at J.I.S. and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinax on Twitter. That's where you can see all the cool stuff that I'm doing for, like, the Geeky Waffle. Um, I am a staff writer over there, and I'm currently been reviewing uh, Dead in Paranormal Park. And by the time this episode comes out, I also did a review on Star Wars Rebels comic I talked about at the top of the episode. Um, I'm finishing it up tomorrow, so it's definitely going to be out by the time this episode comes out. I'm very excited about it. Go read the Rebels Anthology comic. It's really good. Um, and I do have some cool stuff coming up. I can't really talk about it at the moment, but, um, all I will say is I got a really cool gig that is paying me to write about Star Wars, and that's all I can say at the moment, because I haven't officially started writing yet, um, and I'm still filling out all the paperwork. (laughs) Um, once I start doing that, I'll definitely talk about it, and... Our friend Charles from Gold Squadron Grace knows about this. I'm working on a project with Chris um, from Dorkside Divas, Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze, Jess from Moon Pops Pod Race, um, another lovely person named Colton, and another lovely person named Nathan. And the six of us are working on a super secret project that I'm very excited about. It is going to be a new podcast. Um, we will be recording the first episode actually on my birthday, September 4th. So, you know, if you want to send me a happy birthday on september 4th i'd love that um and once we have the first episode under our belt and we start putting it out i can talk about it but it's going to be a really cool new podcast project i'm part of i'm super excited about it i cannot wait to tell you all about it um and i'm excited for it so that's all i can say at the moment but it is a group of really awesome people it's coming together we have been very excited in the discord and doing all the planning and i am so excited to share it with you guys and i can't wait for you to hear it i'm stoked because i get to talk all about one of my favorite things in the world from star wars resistance which are the gazos and that's all i can say i can't say anything else ah! so so excited so yeah <sighs> all right you guys well next week we it's have chaos next week is shipper chaos we're gonna be all up in the bonic Bonic being Boba Fett and Finnick Shand. We're going to be all up in the Bonic. I'm so excited for our roundtable for the tragedy next week. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'm very so excited I, about I it. I guess you could say you guys are hooked on Bonics. Uh... <laughs> you know, I don't have a response to that. So uh, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> You're welcome for the dad joke. I loved it. Thank you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. 
Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.